John, um, I think in America, um, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe it's just me, but we battle this temptation to make work and career and vocation all about ourselves as a means of fulfilling us, as a means of satisfying myself. Um, but, but I think oftentimes when we go closer to the heart of God, he makes us realize it's actually not about us. And um, the question I want to ask John, because every time I ask John, how's work going? He's the type of guy that always answers, man, I just feel like God's called me here. Like there's a sense of purpose and mission. It's not just to get money or just to satisfy his own needs. And so the question I want to ask you, John, is um, how did Holy Spirit guide you to view work as mission or service unto God rather than something that just serves your own interests? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Pastor Mickey painted me like a really good Christian, but <laughs> I feel like undeserved of that. Cause no, you're a really great Christian. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, real, like, there are days, I'm going to be real, there are days where it is just more work, right? Um, so I think that is, you know, a whole other topic, but um, yeah, I think, so I've been, hmm, I think what I learned working was um, it's really easy for me to um, do things that I'm told to do, right? Like when we're hired, we're hired with a specific criteria and that role has things that people expect you to do. And that's really easy. Um, but I think the, the thing that I feel helps me or challenges me is to focus on identity over my role. Um, and that's really hard. I'm still battling with it, but I think um, when I step into my identity, um, I'm not, like, I understand why I'm there. Versus if I step into role, I, I know what I need to do. Right? It's very different in terms of what you'll produce. Um, because one is in the expectation of either someone else or in terms of certain goals in mind, you're going to do that. But in, in the aspect of identity, you know, you're really going to like fight for authenticity. You're going to fight for the things that you hold uh, as values. Um, and so I think that uh, kind of shift in, your, in the mindset or in my mindset uh, really helps me, uh, I think, to see where uh, God is actually trying to move. Um, in, in my company, yeah. That's so good. I want to I stick with you for a sec because I think we hear stories like Dan's and Vanessa's. Like, they quit their jobs, right? And the next day, they just started their own business. I know it's not that simple, but, but they just, like, took this huge leap of faith, leaving work, leaving the security of their jobs to pursue this thing. Uh, but, John, I feel like sometimes we assume God's calling is for us to quit our jobs and to venture out into some grand new expedition and risk it all. But God doesn't always do that. Sometimes God calls us to seasons of faithfulness. And I feel like, John, you're really embodying that right now. And so I want to ask you this question. What does it mean to live out your calling when you're not necessarily, like, I know you love Dropbox. Like, Dropbox is a great company. But let's be real. That's not the, you're not, like, burning with the sense of, oh, I, I was born for Dropbox. Like, Dropbox yeah, is, like, my life's mission. Definitely not. Definitely and not. so how do, you, how do you live with that sense of faithfulness even when you're not, like, passionate about your company? Because I, I, would, I would bet that most of us are kind of in that space right now. Yeah, um, I'll say, yeah, definitely, I'm not, like, Dropbox is the best company. That's not, that's, 
that's not my attitude. Um, so, sorry, I just like blanked. Um, gosh, can you repeat the question just so that I of remember? Of course. I guess for you practically, uh, because most of us maybe are at jobs where we don't feel passionate necessarily about the work that we're doing. You know, how is this app that I'm working on going to bring the kingdom of God into the world? And so there's not that connection with my heart as much. But how do you remain um, faithful and align your heart to say, okay, this is part of my calling still, even if I'm not passionate about the company that I work for, the product that I'm working on? Yes, okay, thank you. It really helped me. <laughs> um, so, okay, I'll say this. I have a tendency of uh, seeking after uh, things that excite me, right? I think it's like a very normal thing. Um, but sometimes I get, uh, I get really distracted. For example, like hobbies. Like let's say I'm like really into a specific game or like, like keyboards or something, right? I'm like not even, like I didn't even go into the hobby yet. And I'm like, like, oh my gosh, I want like this, and this will be cool if I do this with it, or whatever, right? Like, I think people can relate in that aspect, but I think, so, like, it's generally around passion, right? Like, it can be passion for a specific work or industry, it could be passion for a hobby, but generally passion, like, does that. It sparks, like, inspiration, it sparks, like, uh, you know, a jolt of, like, oh, wow, like, I want to do this, Um, and I think sometimes that that can that itself can sometimes make where you're at feel very lackluster. Like whether I'm already doing certain passions, like hey, I'm learning to uh, I'm learning to knit, like, and I was really into that, but then now I'm onto another thing. It might like make me lose sight of that. And so, generally, in that in that example for work, uh, it's important for me to understand that um, I am on a path. Like, when we're talking about, uh, hey, I'm trying to find this new vision and this new calling, um, it's not to say that where you're currently on is also not an avenue that God wants to use you. But I think when we overreach and overexcite ourselves from something that, you know, definitely God might be putting on your mind, it's also important to remember that you're still, like, currently on a path. And there are things in that path that God also might want, be wanting you to explore or just remain consistent, remain uh, in that moment. And so I think it's a balance. It's a balance of seeing what God is showing you outside that path, but also remembering that you're on that path for a reason. You're on that path maybe because maybe before that path you were on another one. And so I think that, I hope that's not too abstract, but you know, you're there for a reason where you're currently at. Oh, that's so good. Because I would bet to say that Vanessa and Dan, you know, on your journey, maybe when you show up to Equinox every day, um, you didn't feel that necessarily sense of purpose. But when you look back, you see that time was actually so formative for you even getting to where you're at right now. Not even, even if people don't get to where you're at, even if people aren't called to leave their work and start something new, but you saw in hindsight how important that journey was for you. Yeah, definitely. And I love what John said about like stepping into a role that gives you like this sense of identity, sense of purpose. And um, going back to Mickey's question about like how do you um, 
how do you feel, how do you view work beyond yourself? I think what I always have to remind myself and John touched on is like, um, for example, in Exodus, like Moses didn't deliver the Israelites, God did, yeah. but God did it through Moses. Right. And I feel like when we step into our roles like that, that is how we can truly thrive. And we see God working in our life. Um, I think also um, the seasons where you don't necessarily feel like this is your calling, like, you know, John's at Dropbox right now and he's not like Dropbox, like till I die, like, but I think it's cool because Dan and I, we've taken big risks, but you don't always have to take like big leaps of faith in these big risks. Um, but that doesn't mean that like John's not taking a risk right now or like any of you yeah. can take a risk. So, so for example, so I used to go to a lot of comedy shows and what I learned from comedians is they actually love playing at small venues because it gives them an opportunity to test their jokes in a low stakes environment where a joke can flop and it's like totally cool because like that was a risk and it was like a small venue, small audience. Then when they go to Madison Square Garden or they go to Vegas or they go on The Tonight Show, like they already have the confidence from telling jokes in like a lower stakes environment. And I kind of feel like that's where John is and that's where a lot of you are. Like maybe God's not asking you to like take this big leap of faith and like quit your job and start something new, but there are risks that you can still take in your everyday environment, in your job. It doesn't have to be something big. Yeah. That's so good. Maybe something as seemingly small as, you know, inviting your coworker to work or to church or praying during me. It must be so scary to pray during mealtime. I mean, when I was working in a coffee shop, I was terrified. And so I can't imagine. But yeah, little, little risks just go a long way. I think that's absolutely true. Thank you for sharing that. Um, question for maybe Dan and Vanessa. Um, you guys could tag team based on, you know. I think uh, Dr. Deborah Lloyd, who we had here a few weeks ago, she said, what if your deepest pain was the strongest indicator for what your vocation is? Uh, so how did your pain, you know, a pain that you've experienced in your life, um, guide you to discovering your vocation? Okay. Um, so, oh, man. Okay. So I have always been into fitness and into nutrition, but I didn't really get into it until I was in my mid-20s, and I went through, like, the hardest period of my life where within a short span of time, my, my dad was diagnosed with bone marrow cancer. My brother had a falling out with me and my parents, and so he became estranged from us, and we used to be really close. And then my boyfriend of five years had broken up with me. And I would say that was probably the hardest thing because remember when Mickey preached last week about idolatry and work and he said the way, one of the indicators of how you know work is an idol is if, like if your job is taken away from you, you lose um, the will to live. And like that is, it's, I like kind of feel pathetic saying it, but that is honestly how I felt. And I had lived in a studio at that time, but I just could not be by myself, so I moved back home with my parents, um, and I actually took a leave of absence from work because I just like could not function, and so my days were 
I would just like lay in bed all day. Um, I had a terrible sleep schedule. I would sleep at 5 a.m., wake up at noon, and and I would I would like lay in bed and cry. Then I would go back to sleep, and then I would wake up. I would eat like whatever tasted really good, like ramen and pizza. And I don't really even like pizza that much, but it just like I remember just that greasiness, and it, I needed anything that made me feel better. I would just consume a bunch of content on the internet, on my phone, I'd be scrolling all the time. I truly felt like a victim. And I just felt like I'm a victim of my circumstances, like I cannot pull myself out of this. But, but, the one thing I remember during that time is I started eating healthy and working out so seriously, like more seriously than I've ever had, like that I've ever done. And the reason is, like, have you guys seen the movie Legally Blonde with Reese Witherspoon? Where, I know, iconic. Where she has this line that is also now iconic, where she says, exercise gives you endorphins. Endorphins make you happy. And it was purely because I was so sad. It's so simple. It's like, it's so simple, but I was so sad, I just wanted to be happy again. So I thought exercise would do that. And over time, that is exactly what happened, where like weightlifting gave me this sense of accomplishment that gave me so much more confidence and all of the healthy habits, the exercising consistently, the nutrition just gave me more energy. It gave me less anxiety and I just felt like I had this sense of vitality again where all of a sudden these like consistent set of healthy habits like led to a healthy lifestyle yeah. and it gave me like the physical strength that translated over to mental and emotional strength where I realized like I am not a victim. Like I can take ownership, I can take responsibility for helping pull myself out of this situation where then I got grief counseling from my pastor. I helped care for my dad when he went through chemo and a transplant. I made new friends, I stepped into leadership roles. And so all this to say that like truly what became like my deepest pain. I experienced so much, so much breakthrough. Okay, we're gonna use, that. yeah, that's the word, like breakthrough from it that I just knew like I wanted to help people experience the same sort of breakthrough. Wow. And like Romans eight is, is the verse that I think of like in all things, God works together for the good for those who love him and are called according to like his purpose. And it's so like, it's like you look back and you see how all the pieces fit, where you see how like God has taken your deepest pain and turned it into something really beautiful. Wow. Oh, thank you for sharing that. That's so powerful. You're pretty much um, people's Reese Witherspoon now. Like, <laughs> you're L. Woods, yeah. Yeah, that is so beautiful. I feel like my story maybe is like a little bit different. And I'm actually going through the vocation workshop right now with Deborah Lloyd. And so I'm actually excited to see if there's anything else she might pull out of my life. I'm just like, oh, I didn't even know that was like pain that I had. Um, but I think in my experience, it's really seeing the pain of others. And I think that's something that has like really imprinted on me. Um, and I remember like hearing this quote way back when I was probably in like high school of just like your calling or your vocation is like where the world's deepest hunger or like world's deepest like pains meets your greatest area of joy or your greatest areas of strength. Yeah. And so I think even from that point on, I was like, oh, what is the world? What is the world's greatest 
need or like what is the world's greatest sense of hunger you know and so i think i ever since then i've always just been very interested to see like where where is the world hurting you know and so i did study international development in college i think i've always been like really interested in just like learning about okay like how does like poverty like play out in the world and it's like what are the things that have like made it happen and i think it was like a very intellectual thing back then um but i mean i think that spirit of poverty is like it's so destructive right it not just on like macro world levels but also if i actually do think about my own upbringing right like my family was not very wealthy growing up right so like i had that probably had that personal experience of like what it feels like to not have right when you're growing up and so um i will say like there have been like different moments in my time in my in my life where it's like just been like very formative like seeing how that plays out in people's lives like i will say my the year that i spent in kenya um and again like that happened because i also took a leap of faith to go um but that was that marked me i think that year really marked me because i really saw like how people actually have to live right and it's just like when you see that spark of joy that has just like left someone's eyes and you see people that ha- have been trying so hard for so long just to like make it by and how much like people have lost their ability to dream and to imagine i think that's what broke my heart and i have sp- I I think since then like spent a lot of time, you know, just like weeping <laughs> in the secret places about that because that to me is like one of the saddest things that that I feel like can happen in this world is when when each of us that has been so beautifully created in God's kingdom uh and we lose we lose that ability to see ourselves as beautiful beautiful creations. Yeah. Um And so yeah, I think personally I just met so many just incredible driven young people um in Kenya and East Africa who are just like have brilliant ideas like can really change the world honestly and I think for me it's just the greatest privilege in my life to be able to like come alongside those people and like support and empower them and so I think it really is like kind of seeing others experience the pain that have that's like really shapes kind of what I'm doing now um so that's where I'm at right for now But we'll see what comes out of this vocation workshop. Come on. Thank you so much. That's so beautiful. John, please. Yeah. I just want to add um I I think what is interesting about the question like like pain as a motivator. I think I think I definitely relate with that. But uh how long does that pain like motivate you? I think is something that I want to pinpoint cuz um Long story short, like growing up I was always told I can't do anything and that I don't like I'm not smart. I remember that was like a really like my teachers would like limit the amount of questions I can ask or like and that that put a chip on my shoulder to like prove people wrong. Um and so I think yes, pain is a, it it is something that is really formative in helping identify but uh I think more recently I've reflected that uh when it is maybe only like looking at the bad side of it and motivating something positive it can actually also create negative again like for example the chip on my shoulder could now be something that remains in that part where God's trying to like now use me 
and I have to now like go back and correct that. If I'm only looking at like a certain part of the pain, if the certain part is creating me to be like, oh, you know what, people said I'm not good enough, so I'm gonna make sure people know I'm good enough. That's one way I can use the pain, but it's 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 not like holistically maybe what God wants to use it for, right? So I think that's something like also I would love to call out is like taking time to go back and like seeing whether or not your attitude towards what pain you're using is something that is God's perspective or if it's maybe more personal. Um, yeah. That's so good. I think um, maybe we'll park here and we'll kind of come in for a landing. Um, but I love that idea. Well, did you call it the vibration of need or gyration of need? What was it? What needs do you vibrate? What needs do you vibrate to? Um, and I think, sorry about that. Sometimes, okay. Um, I think I think sometimes we um, with our pain and our trauma and our hurts. I think sometimes we think the end of the journey is just our healing, um, that I could cope now with this traumatic thing that I went through. But I love how uh, Deborah Lloyd framed it. She said, the full redemption of our stories doesn't end with us. It's when that pain is transformed, and you don't use it for yourself anymore, but now it's transformed to help others who experience similar pains. And I think there are so many unique wounds in this house. I mean, I just know because church is full of the most messed up people, and I'm one of them, that there's so many wounds in our history and our story. And I guess the question I feel like uh, prompting from the Holy Spirit is, have you experienced a full redemption of your pain? Not just healing for yourself or just coping, but do you now view your pain as a vehicle to bring healing to others? have compassion for those who have gone through the same thing that you have. And I think the beautiful thing is we see three, you know, people on their journey. Um, maybe some, some of us are behind them or maybe some of us are ahead, but we see three examples of people where God is using their stories right now to bring redemption. And so the question I feel like God asking you is, in your story, um, where are you with your pain? Have you full experienced that full redemption? Or are you still on that journey? Where do you need to go? Where do you need to land? And so maybe we could land there. And I'm going to have each of them pray, you know, just a brief, short prayer. I believe in the power of impartation. That I believe even that there are some of us here that are kind of on the edge of making a big risk jump. Um, that today maybe just might be that push, that voice from God. I feel like some of us here loathe going into work tomorrow. But you just need that perspective shift, like John was sharing, to view your work as mission, as, as something that God has called you to. It's not insignificant. It's a part of your journey, and it's important. So right now, why don't we uh, enter into time of reflection? Why don't we close our eyes? And um, I want to invite you to ponder upon those two things and interact with God and ask God, God, where, um, what are you doing in my story with my pain and my work and my vocation? What... What is it that you're doing right now? What is it that you need to move me forward into? And as you're uh, wrestling with God, I just want to invite each of our panelists just to pray, maybe just starting from Vanessa, um, just to pray a prayer of impartation. I really believe the power of testimony is that what God did before, he can do again. And so when we listen to testimonies and stories, we can claim those stories for ourselves. And so right now, I want you to um, just receive the prayers of the exhortations and the impartations from our panelists. Um, 
God, we are so thankful to have this space here. And I am so thankful for everyone receiving what we have to say with an open mind, an open heart. And um, God, I pray that you remind everyone in this room that you are still at work. And I know we hear that all the time. We hear that all the time. But I hope that they can truly know and believe that you are lining up the right opportunities for them. You're opening doors. You're closing doors. I hope they draw some inspiration from the three of us sitting here today. And if there is anyone out there who is thinking about taking a risk, I, I pray that they can truly turn to you, God, and, and find the clarity that they need and engage with you and commune with you because I truly believe that time with you is what's going to give them that clarity to take that risk. And I pray that, um, you know, Mickey, like, I think like two years ago, pray, or he had a sermon about altars of remembrance. And um, a lot of times in the Old Testament, when God did something, uh, the Israelites would set up like an altar, like it would just be like a pile of like vertical rocks. And that was a symbol, an altar of remembering something God has done in their life. So I pray for everyone here to set up their own altar of remembrance um, remember what God has done in your life. And when you can see that altar, you will be so hopeful for the future. But it takes deliberate practice to remember that and remind yourself of that all the time. And so I just pray that over everyone in this room. Uh, yeah, God, thank you for um, creating this opportunity and space. Um, Thank you that your Holy Spirit um, is so moving and continues to move outside this Sunday service, um, that we can access you, Lord, um, anytime. And so, God, I just pray for um, peace over this subject, God. Um, I pray that if there are anxiety over um, purpose, I, I want to just release uh, your your love and your uh, acceptance, Lord. I, I just I just really feel like God's saying, like I don't I don't really care about what you do more than I care about you. Um, and I pray that God that would. Um, that would sink in a little bit for us, God, um, that I would not be doing these things or seeking purpose or seeking uh, vision to try to please you, but that I would fully know that I am loved and cared for by, by you, God, and that from that would birth a passion uh, for a vocation.
Jesus. Oh, Jesus, I just thank you that you're here in our midst right now. That Holy Spirit, you are working in each one of our hearts, God, and that it's not even our words, God, that we've spoken here today, Lord, that it that is capable of producing change or transformation, but it's solely your spirit, God, that you've gifted to every single one of us, Lord, that moves and convicts, God, convicts, convicts us and shapes us and molds us, God. And so, Lord, I just pray that every single one of us, Lord, we are submitting ourselves to you, God, to be molded and shaped by you, Jesus. Wow, truly that we are living into that surrender, God. And, Lord, I just pray that over every single person that's in this house right now, God, that you are giving a revelation of identity, God. That we truly know who we are in you, Jesus. God, that we're not following some own version that we've constructed for ourselves of like, this is who I am, this is where I derive value or worth. That Lord, I pray that we're surrendering and fully living into the identity that you have given to every single one of us, Lord. I pray that you're opening eyes right now, God, to see truly that we are all sons and daughters, God. That we have a place in your kingdom, that we have been adopted, Lord. There is a spirit of adoption, Lord, and that every single one of us is a fully loved child of God. And Lord, I pray that as that revelation of the identity sinks in, Lord, that you are now revealing purpose, God, and destiny, Lord, over every single one of us, Lord. Because truly we have, we have a role to play. We have, we have agency, God, in your kingdom to actually live out the things that you've placed on our hearts, God. These desires, these places of joy, God, um, unique strengths, giftings that you've given to every single one of us. And so, Lord, I just pray that right now there's an activation, God, of every single one of those things that you have planted within our hearts, God, would they actually um, bear fruit, Lord. And so we allow ourselves just to be tended to by you, God, but we allow ourselves to be ministered to by you, Jesus, God, um, that we're receiving our, our water, our sun, all those things from you, Jesus. And finally, I just release over this house, God, um, a spirit of faith and a spirit of boldness, God. Lord, I just pray into every single one of those dreams that you might be placing on our hearts, God. And if there's a spirit of fear that is holding us back, God, or controlling us, um, or just preventing us from stepping into that, God, I just pray that you break that spirit of fear right um, off right now in Jesus' name and replace it with a spirit of courage, of boldness, and living by faith, God. Lord, risk is a, it's a scary thing. <laughs> it's a scary thing to be like, I don't know how this is going to work out. But Lord, I know that you're a faithful God. And that when we take a leap of faith, you catch us on the other side, even though we don't know what that process is going to be like. And so, Lord, would you just show us that indeed you are faithful to us. Um, and I just release people to take that leap of faith here today. Um, yeah. Thank you, Jesus.